Amen. Well, it's uh, great to be with you this morning here in the West Auditorium, everybody in the East Auditorium, and everybody worshiping with us online. And I wanna invite you to turn in your Bible this morning to Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six, we're gonna get there. Actually, it's gonna be a bit, so just get comfortable, but we will get to that eventually. Uh, but today we begin our series, or we continue our series called Weeds in My Garden, where we're taking time to be honest about mental health and what that means for each of us, what that means for the people that we love. And we know that we live in a world where mental health is really a, a kind of a big concern, it's a major topic, and it's not just our world, it's, it's us, right? And the good news is that mental health, while it's an important topic in our culture today, is not a new topic. It's something that God has been talking about now for thousands of years. And so in this series, we're looking at what God has to say about our mental health and what that means for each of us and the people that we love. And we wanna give you also in this series as we have so far, just really practical tools that we can use as we think about our mental health. And so with that, um, if you haven't checked it out already, I really encourage you to check out our website, firstdecatororg slash mental health. And uh, on there are all kinds of resources, obviously the sermons from this series, but scripture you can read, book recommendations, music you can listen to, and we just really encourage you to check that out. And so today, uh, we're continuing the series by talking about worry and anxiety, and I wanna just start with a question, and that question is this, when is the last time that you remember not feeling worried or anxious about anything? And if you're like me, it's been a long time, right? And uh, we could talk about all kinds of stats about worry and anxiety, but I wanna go back to the survey that we took as a church four weeks ago. Uh, for those of you who were with us that weekend, we asked you a series of questions about mental health, and in that we asked things like, are you stressed and uh, are you uh, burnt out? Are you feeling alone? Do you know someone who struggled with uh, mental health in the last 12 months? And 93% of us said, yes, I know somebody who struggled with mental health in the last 12 months. That, that stat doesn't really surprise me. Uh, but one that did surprise me a little is we asked this question, we asked, do you struggle with worry and or anxiety? And of the 632 cards we received that weekend, 449 of us said yes. That's roughly 71%. 71% of our, our neighbors, our friends, our kids, our parents, the people that we live with, maybe the people you drove here with today, 71% of those people said yes, I struggle with worry and anxiety. And we're not gonna do this, uh, but if you thought about yourself and nine people close to you, if you reached out and put your hand on their shoulder, please don't, that would be creepy. Um, but if you did, seven of those 10 people would say, yes, I struggle with worry and anxiety. And we know that, uh, that worry and anxiety is an important topic. So let's, let's start today by looking at what worry and anxiety are. You see, worry, we might define that as something that prods us to use natural problem-solving skills. It's something that's designed to keep us safe. It's the reason when we walk to our car in a dark night that, that we feel this anxiousness around us. And sometimes worry can be a good thing because it drives us to make better decisions, like maybe we should leave earlier, maybe we should park in a different place. And even though we use these words to mean the same thing, they, they mean really different things. And so sometimes when we say anxiety, what we really mean is worry. We mean this idea of just trying to keep ourselves safe. And sometimes when we say anxiety, we're talking about a prolonged season of anxiety that can be complicated by our biology, by our life circumstances, or by trauma that we've faced in the past. And so the World Health Organization says this. It says, everyone can feel anxious sometimes, 
But people with anxiety disorders often experience fear and worry that is both intense and excessive. These feelings are typically accompanied by physical tension and other behavioral and cognitive symptoms. They are difficult to control, cause significant distress, it could last a long time if untreated. Anxiety disorders interfere with daily activities and compare a person's family, social, and school or working life. And so what that tells us is really when we talk about worry and anxiety, we're talking about a continuum. We're talking about things that we might call normal worry, things over here like heights or dark alleys or snakes or spiders or that test that we have coming up or having to do our taxes, things that kind of annoy us but they don't really interfere with our life. And then maybe there's things in the middle that are a little heavier like our kids' futures, our parents' health, war, the economy, some kind of social rejection. And then all the way over here, also anxiety, by the way, I'm sure this list is very helpful to you, um, but uh, there's things that are completely debilitating and overwhelming that, that keep us from living life the way that we wanna live it. And so when we talk about worry, when we talk about anxiety, we're really talking about all of these things. And the truth is that it's not just that it's a wide continuum, it's that what impacts you may not impact me. So for instance, I can't stand earwigs. If you don't know what an earwig is, I brought a picture. There's these disgusting little bugs that have like a pincher on one end. And uh, I know that the Bible says that God created everything but I do have some questions about him on this one, to him about this one. And uh, I know I'm a big man and it's a tiny, tiny bug, but when I see one, I wanna put on a hazmat suit and grab the nearest weapon because I just don't like them, okay? And so uh, if you're here today and you're thinking, you know what would be super funny <laughs> is if I found an earwig and I messed with Pastor Jonathan, let me just tell you this. I know pastors aren't supposed to hold grudges and I know they're not supposed to you know, be jerks, but I have a very special set of skills and I will find you and I will find where you live and I will find what you are most afraid of and I will fill your house with it, just be warned, okay? You see, maybe for you earwigs are not a big deal, right? Uh, maybe you have a pet earwig at home, I don't know. Uh, but maybe for you it's something else, maybe it's a snake, like maybe snakes bother you, snakes don't really bother me that much. Maybe for you it'd be the idea of getting up here on stage. I don't know what it is for you, but I know for each of us it can be different things that cause us worry it causes anxiety. And sometimes that anxiety can become so intense, it can fester to the point where we find ourselves where we feel isolated, where we lose our passion, where we, we miss out on important moments with family and friends because of the worry that we experience, or we just find that we can't do the things, we can't follow God the way that we wanna follow God. And so what do we do with that? Well, throughout this series, we talked about four roots that impact our mental health, They're the spiritual root, the situational root, the biological root, and the medical root. And so today, I wanna focus mostly on that, that first one, the spiritual root. I wanna talk about kind of a spiritual framework for worry and anxiety. And then once we've done that, I wanna come back at the end and I wanna talk about the other three and how they can impact our worry and anxiety. So to do that, we're gonna start by looking today at Psalm 62. And Psalm 62 is written by King David, one of Israel's greatest leaders, and he says this, actually before we get to what he says, I need to talk about the fact that even though David was a great leader, in the verses leading up to what we're gonna look at here in a moment, David says these things. He says, God, I've got all these enemies, and they're trying to kill me. They think so lowly of me that they're trying to take away my authority. 
And God, they say really good things to my face, but they talk really badly about me behind my back. And so David knew anxiety and worry well. But in the midst of that, he says this. He says, let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. And so in the midst of anxiety and worry in David's life, he says this, he says, God, you are my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. What's a fortress? Fortress is a place that when we're being attacked, when we feel like when something is chasing us, we can run and we can be safe. David says, God, when anxiety and worry come my way, I know that you're that safe place that I can go to. He goes on to say, my victory and honor come from God alone. In other words, God, everything that I am, my life, my family, all that I do is because of you. And you are in control and you know what is best for me. And he says this at the end, he says, he is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. God, you're my safe place. You're the place that I can go when the world is attacking, when I feel anxiety and worry, to be safe. Proverbs 18.10 says kind of the same thing. It says, the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. See, God isn't just a tower. He's not just a safe place that we can run to. He's a fortified tower, meaning that he's got tools, he's got resources, he's got weapons available to us. And our job is to run to him when we feel and worry and when we feel anxiety and be safe. And I love that one way, one, excuse me, I love one pastor, the way that he talked about this. He said this. He said, worry and anxiety, they increase with two things. Number one, when we do not trust that God is able to do anything about our situation. Or number two, we don't believe that God cares. When we don't trust that God is able to do anything about our situation or we don't believe that God cares, our worry and our anxiety increase. But he goes on to say this. He said, worry and anxiety subside when we stand between the two pillars of God's control and God's goodness. God's control and God's goodness. And we know that we have that same opportunity. We have the opportunity to stand between the pillars, to stand under the banner between the pillars of God's control, the fact that he is powerful, the fact that he is strong, the fact that he is in control of everything, and the fact that God is good, that he is a compassionate and loving God. We have the opportunity to run to him, and that does not mean that the arrows of worry and anxiety are not gonna come at us. That's not a promise that God gives us, but he says when that happens, we can run and we can live between the, the pillars of God's control and God's goodness. And frankly, if we don't believe that God is in control and that God is good, then we should be worried and we should be anxious. See, the Bible doesn't say that we're not gonna be worried and that we're not gonna be anxious, but it does say that when we have those things come at us, that we can live in that space between God's control and God's goodness. And so what else does the Bible have to say about worry and anxiety? Well, actually, Jesus speaks specifically to this topic in Matthew chapter six, which I asked you to turn to earlier. And so Matthew chapter six, we find Jesus, and he's standing on a hillside, and he's speaking to thousands of people, and they've come to hear what Jesus is about. And in this sermon, uh, he talks about just a variety of things that kind of gives people an idea of where he's coming from. And uh, this, this uh, sermon is something that we preached on last winter around this time. We spent 13 weeks 
working our way through the sermon that Jesus gives. We called it the, the best sermon ever. If you haven't checked it out, we'd encourage you to check that out on our website. But as part of that sermon, Jesus speaks specifically to this idea of worry and anxiety, and this is what Jesus says. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? See, Jesus here, it doesn't sound at first like he's exactly the most like, sensitive therapist, because the first thing Jesus says is, do not worry. And I don't think what Jesus is saying is just like, hey, stop it. Like, enough, that's it, don't do it anymore. Because we know that Jesus knows that we experience worry and anxiety, and we know that Jesus experienced worry and anxiety. But what Jesus is saying here is that there's a better way. That because worry and anxiety exist, if you follow me, there is a better way. And so what does Jesus tell us here that we don't have to worry about? We don't have to worry about our life, we don't have to worry about where our food's gonna come from, we don't have to worry about our clothing. And these are not trivial issues, right? They certainly weren't trivial issues in Jesus' day. In fact, many of the people sitting on that hillside listening to him would have been very concerned about where their next meal was gonna come from or what, the, what was gonna happen with their life. <clears throat> and so maybe for you today, you can relate to that and maybe you can't. And if you can't, I just wanna ask you this question. What's the one thing that you worry about the most? It probably won't take you long to think of it. I just want you to name that in your mind. And whatever that is, what would Jesus say to that? He would say, you don't need to worry about that. You don't need to spend your life worrying about that. People who have a shelter like me don't have to live that way. And I think it's important because that sounds really tough, but it's important that we think about this. Would, would Jesus really ask us to do something that we're not capable of doing, that he won't give us the strength to do? And I don't think that that's true, but sometimes we live like that's true. And so the truth is that if we really believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that we believe that he's invited us to live between the pillars of his control and his goodness, then, then he's inviting us to live a different way. And so why don't we have to worry? Well, Jesus goes on to say this. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? See, we don't have to worry because Jesus, because God is in control, because he's good. In fact, have you ever seen a stressed out bird, right? Probably not. Jesus goes on to say this in the next verse. He says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Jesus says, look guys, you are really good warriors. You're doing a great job of worrying. But let me just ask you this, how's it going for you? Would you say that the more that you worry, the better you feel? And maybe for us today, I would say, since WebMD came out, do you feel a whole lot better about your health? <laughs> or do you just feel more worried? See, sometimes with worry, we find ourselves in a situation where we actually think our worry is a good thing because we do some really bad math, because we're convinced that because 90% of what we worry about never comes true, that maybe we're actually doing some good by worrying, that we're keeping bad things from happening. And as I was thinking about that, I came across a couple of ideas I just wanna share with you because I think that sometimes we believe it's almost uncaring if we don't worry. But I came across these two ideas here. Worry doesn't take away tomorrow's troubles. It steals today's peace. And worry doesn't stop death. It stops life. 
And so what do we do about our worry? Well, Jesus goes on and he gives us kind of a clue as to what this is really all about in verses 28 through 30 where he says this. He says, why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? See, Jesus says this, this whole worry and anxiety thing, it ultimately is an issue. It ultimately is a question of faith. Do you believe that God is in control and that God is good? And I do wanna say, I think we have to be careful with what Jesus is saying here, because sometimes as Christians, what we hear Jesus saying here is if you just prayed a little bit more, if you just had a little bit more faith, then you wouldn't have worry and anxiety. Like somehow it's our fault that we have worry and anxiety in our life. If we just trusted God more, that would not be the case, but that's, that's not at all what Jesus says. Jesus says you're gonna have worries and anxieties. But there's a better way. If we put our hope and our trust in him, if we, we lay things at his feet, then we don't have to face this on our own. We don't have to, to live the way that the rest of the world lives. And so what do we do? Jesus gives a solution in verses 33 and 34. He says this. You wanna know what to do with your worry and anxiety? Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus says, you wanna know what to do about your worry? You gotta seek God first. You gotta reorient your life around the things that God has called you to. And the more that we trust him, the more that we, we lay our worry and anxiety at his feet, the less stressed that we're gonna be when those worries pop up because we're gonna know that God's got us, we're gonna know that he is in control and that he is good. But how do we do that? How do we put God's kingdom first in our lives? And there's a lot of ways we can do that. I wanna just mention, I think, four today that I think are super helpful, particularly when it comes to worry and anxiety. And the first of this is just to make a gratitude list. To take time each day to thank God for who he is and what he's done in our lives. And this is so important because when it comes to worry and anxiety, worry and anxiety have a hard time coexisting with gratitude. Uh, right now, as a family, we have four drivers and we have three cars. Um, and they're okay cars. They run, for the most part, um, anyway. And most of the time, I'm super grateful for the cars that we have, and sometimes I really hate our cars. In fact, in the last three weeks, um, we are three for three on problems with cars. Uh, three weeks ago, we found out that our newest car needed a new transmission, which is super fun. Um, and then, I'm not gonna go into the details, but last Friday night, our second car got some damage on it. And then Monday night, <laughs> Monday night, my daughter was driving our third car home, and one of the tires just completely blew out. And so Monday night, I'm sitting in my garage, and I'm taking a tire off that's completely shredded, and I'm thinking like, okay, how am I gonna get everybody to work in school tomorrow? I'm starting to think about the, the financial strain of dealing with all of this, and I'm just getting frustrated, I'm getting anxious, and I'm getting worried, and I finally just had a moment where I'm like, God, are you kidding me right now? Like, what is going on? And so I went upstairs, I, I went to bed, and of course I'm not sleeping, and so I'm laying there and I'm thinking, oh boy, Jonathan, you have to preach on anxiety and worry <laughs> this weekend, and you're gonna tell these people they need to be grateful for what God has done for them. And so I thought, okay, God, here we go. And so I did, I said, God, 
Thank you that I have a mechanic that I trust, because that's a gift. God, thank you for the friend here from church who took three hours of his Saturday to help me get the, the dent out of our car as best as he could and get, the, get things back the way they needed to be. God, thank you that in the midst of all of this, my kids are safe and nobody got hurt. And the amazing thing is, what was making me feel super anxious and worried, suddenly I'm feeling grateful and I was able to sleep and to rest and knowing all of that. And I learned a huge lesson. Never preach on worry and anxiety because your cars <laughs> are gonna get messed up. So the first thing we can do is we can create a gratitude list. Uh, the second thing that we can do is just to connect with others. You see, God didn't intend for us to walk this life, this journey of faith alone. <clears throat> he wants us to walk with other people. And the truth is that we've mentioned this every week in this series so far. We're gonna talk about it today and the next couple of weeks too. But one of the things about mental health is it seems like the enemy understands that when we face those issues, if he can drive us to be on our, our, on our own, that that's a really good thing for him and a really bad thing for us. And I know I'm gonna lose some of you here, so bear with me, but I cannot stand the game of golf. Like, if you love it, good for you. I'm so happy for you. Um, <clears throat> I played golf just a few times as a young adult, and I've never been more frustrated and had to confess more sin from anything in my life <laughs> than the game of golf. And so I quit golf. You might have seen it on ESPN. Um, that's a joke. <laughs> Since I quit golf, um, I've played golf two times. Both of them have been a scramble. Both of them I played with people who loved golf, who were actually really good at it. And my, my shots did not count, did not matter. It's suddenly this thing that I hated so much became something that was really fun because I was with people who enjoyed it and who had a great time. And the same thing is true when it comes to life. You see, when we're on our own, it can be really frustrating. But God invites us to walk with other people. And as your church, we wanna help you find those people because we all need people that we can grow with, people that we can serve with, people that we can share life with and share the burdens of our life with. And so one of the most important things we can do with connect is connect with others. Another thing that we can do is to just take in scripture every single day. And I know you're shocked that a pastor's telling you to read the Bible, okay? But one of the things that's so powerful about anxiety and worry is that the lies are so powerful. When you struggle with anxiety, the, the lies that you hear are so powerful. God's word, though, is so true. And we need that in our lives. And so scripture's full of thoughts on this. Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Jesus. The Apostle Paul says we don't have to worry and when we face worry, we can talk to God about that, we can come before him and then he's gonna give us a peace that we don't even really understand. And so when we face worry and anxiety, and really there's a lot of reasons to read the Bible, but here's just one. When we face worry and anxiety, the Bible is full of truth to offer us hope and restoration and healing. And then the last thing that we can do is I kinda already alluded to, but talk to God about our worry and anxiety <clears throat> and limitations Chapter two, Lamentations is a book written from a really dark place. It says this, arise, cry out in the night as the watches of the night begin. Pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. See, God desires to hear from us. He wants us to pour out our hearts to him. In 1 Peter chapter five, verses six and seven, it says this, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. And I love this, it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares 
for you. You see, God wants us to talk to him. He wants us to cast our anxiety on him. And ultimately, what it comes down to with worry is that when we think about worry, what we're really saying is, what am I going to do? And when we pray, we say, God, what are you going to do? And so as we think about kind of the spiritual root, the spiritual framework of worry and anxiety, we know that we can seek God's kingdom first, that that we could take time to um, connect with others, to to practice gratitude, to take in scripture, to talk with God about our worry and anxiety. But what do we do when our worry and anxiety, when it's really that next level thing, when it's that thing that feels overwhelming, when it feels like it lasts a really long time, when the weeds of our garden are actually choking out the garden itself? Or what about when we have a loved one in our life who we are walking with that is facing one of those things? And so what I wanna do in just a few minutes we have left is first I wanna talk to those of you who are walking with somebody who, who is facing anxiety and worry in, in that kind of the next level way. And then I also wanna talk to those of you who are experiencing that personally. And so first of all, if you're walking with somebody who is facing worry and anxiety, I just want you to know you're not alone. <clears throat> that we as your church, we're, we're here, we'd love to talk with you, we'd love to pray with you. Um, in fact, we've got a, a team of, of leaders, trusted leaders in our church who are gonna be available after service right here. If you wanna just follow that map, they would love to pray with you. They would love to pray for you, or they would love to pray for your loved one and, and just walk with you through that process. We as your church would love to do that too. We're here, we'd love to talk. But uh, if you're here today and, and you're a caretaker, you're someone walking with somebody in worry and anxiety, I, I wanna just give you three tips that I think are really important. The first one is this, we need to validate it. Uh, sometimes as Christians, we're really bad about that when it comes to struggles because we like to talk about God's work in our life and how we've overcome things and how I used to be this way, but now I'm this way. And that's really good and we should do that. But when we're talking with somebody who's facing worry and anxiety, that can add to their anxiety because they can wonder things like, well, why is this person able to do this and I'm not? Or why does God love this person so much more than he loves me. So what do we do? How do we validate it? We say things like, I'm so sorry. This must be hard. We say things like, I'm here for you and I'm not going anywhere. I'm walking with you. Because the truth is that what people don't need is our answers in these moments. They just need our presence. The second thing that we can do is we can just choose not to be a fullback. If you don't know what a fullback is, they're basically like a bigger, beefier running back in football that kind of blows people out of the way so the running back can get through. And sometimes when we have somebody in our life who's facing anxiety, we feel like that's our job. Like, we just gotta take everything away from them so they don't have anything to be anxious about. And the problem with that is that these people still have to go to work, they still have to go to school, they still have to do job interviews, they have to talk on the phone, they have to be a mom or a dad, a brother, a sister, an employer, an employee. And when we do that, when we clear things out, we basically tell them like, you're not capable. You see, they don't need us to solve their problems. They just need us to walk with them. And then lastly, and most importantly, we need to share scripture. We've talked about this already, but anxiety is powerful and it's full of lies and God's word is full of truth. And we have the opportunity to share that truth with people. As they're just encountering so many lies, coming at them so hard and so fast, we have the opportunity to share truth with people from God's word to remind them that he is in control and that he is good. 
And if you're here today and you're like, Jonathan, I don't know the Bible that well. I don't know how to do that. Good news for you today, Google does. Uh, all you have to type in is anxiety and Bible. I would ask that you actually read what you're gonna send them before you send it. Make sure it's what you think it is, okay? But I think scripture is an incredibly important thing. And so finally today, um, as we kind of close our time, I just wanna talk to those of you who find yourself over here right now, where you're like, man, the anxiety and the worry are so overwhelming. I want you to just hear this. First of all, you're not broken, and you're not crazy, and you're not alone. You see, the enemy he wants you to believe that your story is beyond hope, but that is a lie, because we serve a God who is full of hope and restoration and healing. And I actually shared this a couple times ago, or last time I preached, but two times in my adult life, I've ended up spending a series of weeks with a counselor to get back to the place where I could understand God's control and God's goodness in my life. And sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need a counselor. Sometimes we need a doctor. Sometimes we need medication. Please know that we would love to help connect you with those things. There's no shame in that. You see, as your church, we want you to just know four things today. And that's this. First of all, you're not alone. The enemy wants you to believe that you are alone, but you're not. Because number two, God is with you and so are we, and we would love to walk with you. We would love to help you find that path back to wholeness, back to healing, back to health. And we have got some great relationships with counselors, some other resources, but we would just love to begin that conversation with you. And so maybe step one for you today is just to say, hey, Talk to a family member or a friend and say, hey, this is really where I am and I need your help. Because number three thing we want you to know is that we wanna help you cast your cares on a God who cares for you. To cast your cares, your anxiety on a God who cares for you because he is in control and he is good. And then lastly, I want you to just know that if you're here today and you're struggling, please don't believe the lie that God can't use you because you're struggling. If that were true, then God could not use any of us because we're all broken, we're all a mess, but we serve a God who is in control, a God who is in good, and he wants to use each of us wherever we are. So with that, let's pray together this morning. Father God, we are just so grateful. Lord, that you are a God who is in control. Lord, that you are strong, that you are powerful, that you know what we need because you made us, God, and that you're also good. You are compassionate and loving, Lord. And God, <clears throat> I know that for some of us here today, Lord, we have worries and anxieties. We need to lay at your feet, Lord. Help us to do that today. But I, God, know, I know for some of us or for people that we love, we find ourselves in a place that is just so intense and so overwhelming. God, thank you that in that place, Lord, you offer us hope you offer us restoration and you offer us healing. God, I pray for anybody that feels stuck in that space today, God, that you would give them the courage to step out and to ask for help. God, we thank you for the work that you do in each of our lives. Lord, we thank you that we're never alone. And Lord, we thank you that you work so powerfully in each of us despite our brokenness. God, help us to trust you, help us to walk with you. Help us to lay our worry and anxiety at your feet. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.